if you are receiving this, that's awesome. So, my psych professor asked if we'd heard of Pavlov. Oh, what'd you say? I said it rings a bell. Oh. You know, Shiggles, you're always so depressed. Oh, that's because I'm an archaeologist. Wait, seriously? Me life is in ruins. Oh, that sucks, man. You know, me wife bet me a thousand dollars I couldn't turn spaghetti into a car. Oh, do tell. You should have seen her face when I drove past her. Okay, so I was watching the news, Uh and police have confirmed that the man who fell from the 12th story of the nightclub was not a bouncer. Oh, that's good. Right. I can make a pun out of anything. Hold your roll, bro. It's impossible to make a pun out of vegetables. Oh, not necessary. Welcome to the Intergalactic Boombox Geek Talk Humor Randomness from voice actor Kyle Abair. Hey, that's me. I'm 53 years old. I love talking nerdy. And I'm as bald as Austin Butler is in Dune Part 2. Oh, that highly annoying sound effect means it's time to acknowledge our sad cats. Those who spat sats and support the show through a Podcasting 2.0 app. I suggest Fountain from Fountain.fm. You get paid to listen to podcasts, and then you can give support back to podcasts like this one when you like the content. Directly out of your podcast wallet in Fountain. Chaos Converter gave 950 sats and says, Mutually Assured Distraction. You just came up with a catchphrase for our time. Now, I totally heard that somewhere else, but it's too good not to use. Music Girl 46 gave 475 sats and says, Just listen to this great podcast for the first time. Liked it very much. Greetings from the Netherlands. Thank you. The question of the week. What's your favorite Evil Dead? Evil Dead Rise, 98% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, raked in 40 million bucks in its first week in theatrical release, set to debut on digital on May 9th, which is like shockingly fast. I really dug Evil Dead Rise. Alyssa Sutherland's performance as the possessed Ellie has her poised to become the best Deadite ever, as well as a new horror icon. I saw it in a packed theater, had a total blast, and the title reveal was the best I've seen in recent memory. It actually got applause. So while I do still revere Evil Dead 2 as my personal favorite, this new version is insanely rewatchable. Now, it's not as gory as the 2013 Fetty Alvarez version, but the tension is ratcheted up. Great pace. Great score, solid cast, and kudos for the practical makeup effects. Midas from the Fun Fact Friday podcast said his favorite Evil Dead of all time is Evil Dead 2. Mike Dodd said after seeing Rise, it would be Evil Dead 2, Rise, Reboot, Original, and Army. Lando Del Toro says Evil Dead 2. Hunter Hashbarger also says Evil Dead 2. Jambeard thinks it's going to be Army of Darkness. One of his favorite movie lines is the Boomstick line. The comedy in it was on point. I've yet to see Rise, though. Yeah, not a lot of comedy in in Evil Dead Rise. Evan Jakowitz says, I like the punky low-budget vibe of the original Evil Dead more than all the others, but since it has that one really weird moment, I think I'm going to go with two. I have no idea what he's talking about, but hey, whatever floats your boat, man. Sapphire says Army of Darkness. Mars Andreas says, to be honest, it's hard for me to choose between two and Army of Darkness. Justin Eden says, I appreciate the original. So unique it was. Danny Pro said Army of Darkness was the first he saw and ended up using a lot of sound clips on his computer, but Dead by Dawn is his personal fave. Kristen DeSalniers said Army of Darkness and King Cobra 582 said Original, Rise, and 2013 exclusively in that order. 
Question. Don't you hate when you're at a concert you've already paid way too much for and everyone's got their phones in the air blocking your view, taking video that no one's ever going to watch? Some artists hate that too, and some have even worked with third-party companies to actually help the concert-going experience to be pure. Jack White, someone I'm a huge fan of, has implemented for several years this rule that everyone has to check in their cell phones at designated tents at the venue. These tents are staffed with tons of people. They put your phone inside a locked bag that only they can open. So you keep your phone on you inside, but you can't access it unless you come back outside and they will gladly open it up for you so you can make a call, check your messages or whatever. But you ain't getting back in unless they seal it in that bag. And I think the most uncomfortable aspect of that is more related to being addicted to your phone. Everyone's constantly checking it in every public situation. So you kind of go through withdrawal, but people actually have to just be taking the concert experience back to the pre-internet, pre-cell phone days. You just watch the band play. All your memories are in your head instead of trying to gain clout with likes. Seeing Jack White several times this way has made his concerts amazing and even more memorable. And everyone is focused on just enjoying the music. Another act I love, Ghost, is implementing this no-cell phone policy for their upcoming tour in North America. So what do you think? Do you prefer to be able to be that person who blocks everyone's view because you want to get some poorly composed out-of-focus footage? Or just prefer to play on your phone while waiting for the concert to start? Or do you think it's actually a genius way to maximize the value? Boost your reply in a podcasting 2.0 app. By doing so, you'll be able to send a customizable microtransaction to support this show. Or at me, at BoomboxPod on Twitter. If you have a Netflix account and multiple people are using it and aren't under the same roof, guess what? You're going to have to pony up. Password sharing is pretty common with 100 million households. We've been warned of the imminent arrival of the password police, and it's just about here. They plan to allow account holders to add extra members, though, for what it's worth, but only two max per account that don't live in the same household. Now, test have revealed the price to be $3 a month. They're already pretty greedy with $20 a month for the 4K tier, so I guess it could be worse. This move isn't going to persuade consumers to stay subscribed, but what's at least equally important to me, they really need to stop canceling their good shows. Why, yada? Guess which music format has reached a 20-year sales high? In the UK, anyway. Oh, I know. Yeah, Shiggles? Vinyl. Nope. Oh. Although vinyl albums have surpassed CDs for the first time in 35 years. Okay, uh, 8-track. Mm. Sorry, Gits. That format's been dead since 1983. Zoom! Nice deep cut, but not even the Guardians of the Galaxy could resurrect that one. Although the first movie in 2014 did contribute back in a massive resurgence in... Internet Trolls. Focus, Shiggles. We're talking music format, dude. Oh, right. Christian polka. That's a genre. It is? Okay, anyway, the answer is cassettes. Oh. oh. People apparently are embracing the pre-MP3 media again. Uh, the number doesn't sound that impressive by itself, though. As of 2022, the annual sales figure for cassettes was around 195,000 units. Trendy shops like Urban Outfitters pushed releases from bands like Muse, Machine Gun Kelly, Arctic Monkeys, while vinyl does continue to outsell cassettes. And when the first Guardians movie came out, I did go out and purchase a refurbished Walkman off eBay and got the soundtrack on cassette. Then I ended up collecting some White Stripes releases, Metallica's Cassette Day exclusive, their, their demo from before the Kill 'em All days, Stranger Things soundtrack exclusives, and then it pretty much stopped there. I guess today's generation wants to experience the joy of hiss. Yeah, there's a lot of 
fucking uh, cassettes. But to be honest, I like white noise. It helps me fall asleep. And long before playlist, there was the mixtape. Oh yeah. Toots. You'd record a custom list of songs on blank audio cassettes for any occasion or special person. <sighs> Although I'd record just a bunch of songs I liked off the radio, but man, fast forwarding or rewinding cassettes was such a pain. <laughs> Or hearing that warble indicating the player's eating your tape. So you hit eject real quick and yank the cassette out and tape is spooling all over the place. But don't yank too hard because then the tape would break. Life sounded tougher than a $2 steak, Captain. Well, you could salvage a cassette with a little MacGyver action. A stick of bubble gum and a paper clip? Not quite. Well, you take a pencil and stick it through one of the holes. Kinky. Oh, stop and then slowly wind the tape back into its cassette shell. I think I'd just as soon go back to the store and buy another copy. Yeah, it'd be faster. If you were a kid, you didn't just have all this expendable money to go buy another copy. You either save your allowance or put aside some money from your lousy minimum wage paycheck. You know, another problem with cassettes is they print all the lyrics all teeny tiny like inside the little booklet. You can't hardly read it. You know, back then in the 80s, my high school eyes could read it just fine. But nowadays, I'd need my phone cam and just zoom in for reading labels on anything, actually. <laughs> you're old. I'd like to think I'm vintage. Hot off the success slash controversy of the recent Halloween trilogy, director David Gordon Green is helming what could end up as another trilogy based on another classic horror franchise, this time The Exorcist. The new film is called The Exorcist Believer and is poised as a legacy sequel to the original. I guess they're attempting to wipe the stain of the original Exorcist 2 sequel from 1977, which was hilariously awful. Ellen Burstyn returns as the mother, Chris McNeil, but the story will center this time around Leslie Odom Jr.'s character as a father of a possessed child. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Oh, look, it's Asmer, the movie quote and commercial jingle-loving alien. I'm the devil. Now kindly undo these traps. Asmer, that's a pretty good Linda Blair impression. No, that's much too vulgar a display of power. Great Pantera album. Anyway, I love the Fox TV series of The Exorcist a few years back. It got canceled due to low ratings, but it was fantastic and hinted at a dark global conspiracy of Satanism from within the Vatican. It was really cool. Possession flicks are a dime a dozen, of course, and it seems like no matter how much time passes, the old tropes never change and they always come back. Most recently with the Russell Crowe movie, The Pope's Exorcist. But nothing ever, ever tops the classic from 1973. Now, I did love Green's legacy sequel to Halloween, but the trilogy kind of went south pretty quick, so I'm cautiously optimistic. So tell me, Asmer, what do you think of this new Exorcist dropping on October 13th? Demi, why you do this to me? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, oh hey, Drew Grime from the Drew Grime True Crime Podcast. I present you the mystery of an abandoned house filled with comics and collectibles, possibly worth millions. Oh, I already know about that. That's in the New York Post. Well, crap. I am, however, impressed you're actually telling a story that's true this time. Hush. Sorry. A YouTuber named Devin Dark stumbled upon the empty domicile. Devin Dark's a really cool name. Sounds like a supervillain. Hush. De Devin discovered an ocean of toys at his feet, many in mint condition, still in the package. But who would abandon this hoarder's nostalgic paradise? Well, the article links to his YouTube video, but I didn't watch it. But the article says uh, the owner was apparently a former toy store owner, and he died like 15 years ago. Kirk, could you just not? Kyle. No, 
I'm Drew. No, I'm Kyle. Anyway, why are you telling me about an actual thing that happened? Especially after I said I already knew about it. And, and also, what is the true crime exactly, Drew? That nobody's been able to enjoy this collection of toys for years? The true crime is, if I found that house, I could have made a fortune on eBay. Oh, hush. Sorry. From my top-secret underground bunker in Pahrump, Nevada, Conspiracy here with all the news you can't use. Page 1. A man from Thailand went to the doctor to undo a 40-year medical procedure he performed on himself with no medical training because he was afraid he'd set off the alarms at the TSA at the airport with an upcoming flight. The doc said, sure, you got money, I'll open you up, no prob. He then proceeded to remove two small magnets from the man's fingers that he stitched closed. Why? Well, he wanted to cheat at an illegal dice game called High-Low. Either that or he dreamed of becoming a low-budget magneto with homemade mutant-affirming surgery. Page 2. Always an exciting time when your business looks to expand its offices to a nice building, preferably one with a view. That view, however, should not include the landlord sunbathing in the nude. An HR company, of all things, in Berlin, Germany, took the birthday suit bonehead to court, saying they should be allowed to have reduced rent. Only fair. I mean, after all, who wants to see that? But get this. The court ruled in favor of the landlord because they said you could only see him tanning his tuchus by leaning far out the window from the office space. So no harm done. And I'll tell you right now, if I had birthday suit McGee in my field of vision, I think I'd just keep on leaning till gravity won. <laughs> Page three. Advertising has all sorts of sus tricks to market by mass manipulation. Subliminal messaging to turn consumers into mindless meat puppets. Case in point, the McDonald's logo. It's red and yellow. Now, psychologically, red can make you hungry. Yellow can trigger happiness. You mix them together, and suddenly you want to eat quick and get on with your day, a.k.a. fast food. Uh, see what they did there? Clever, yeah? Evil genius, I say. We're on to you, golden arches. Why don't you go for something a little more obvious, like fixing your damn ice cream machines? Maybe, just maybe, some consumers just want to be fat. And I'm spent. That's all the news you can't use. Conspiracy here from my dump in Pahrump. Aw, look at the time. The Intergalactic Boombox was brought to you by the Royal Shakespeare Mime Company because nobody understands Middle English anyway. The Walla Walla Washington Institute for the Criminally Lazy and Spitshine Spuds Potato Pyramid and Tick Removal Service. Remember, kids, the immortal words of Firefly Serenity Pilot Wash. I am a leaf on the wind. Watch me <sighs> soar. Till next time, doodles.